Old Man Winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. <laughs> Heaven! Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, Old Man Winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. And it's that time again. We welcome you into our May 28th edition of the Chicago Brawl podcast, brought to you by the Brawl Network. As always, I'm your host, Adam Halleck. He is AB. AB, no more last dance here to talk about, but I think for the first time in what seems like forever, we might be finally on the brink of some sports resumption, primarily in hockey, maybe the NBA very soon. Things are starting to get a little bit exciting. Are we at that point yet where you're confident things are right here within the horizon? Adam, it's been a great couple of weeks here weather-wise after last week. A lot of rain, but it's starting to heat up. And actually, breaking news right now, I don't even know if you read this yet, but Adam Schefter just retweeted something from Field Yates, another guy to follow on Twitter, saying that the governor of Texas is now going to allow in June stadiums to be filled 25% capacity. It seems like we are getting closer and closer to sports and closer and closer to maybe being spectators at sports. I don't know about you, Adam, but... I don't know. I know I love going to games, but I don't know right now how comfortable I would be sitting in the stands watching a baseball, basketball, or even a football game unless I get to go into that quote-unquote bubble for the NBA where I know that there's not going to be a lot of spectators allowed. But the fact that even the governor of Texas is probably going to start allowing fans into the stands, uh, it seems like we're getting closer and closer. I'm going to spin it over to you like this, though. Do you think this is more of a business tactic or more of, but hey, we're finally getting to where we can be safe to officially resume play for sports i think we'll find that answer when we get to the college football season because you think of a college football program and i'm not trying to stray away from the exact nfl portion of your question but you look at these college programs and you look at what a college football team does to their programs it carries the weight for pretty much every single other athletic that that university might offer even to the degree of basketball to the high level of attention put towards March Madness college basketball generally is is obviously still in the green for a university but nowhere near the big dog of college football so I think we really will get that answer come college football season whether or not we are in a position of safety or universities basically being forced into having fans in the stands, having the college football season go down because they need to save their programs. Uh, I, you know, I think, I, I think it's an equal balance of both on that. You know, I think we're starting to see here, forget sports for that matter, we're starting to see things like uh, malls, shopping centers, patio-style restaurants starting to open up. So I think we are at that point of phasing this 
and I'm no scientist, I'm no infectious disease doctor or anything like that. I can't tell you what's to come following all of this, but I think it is at that point where you really have changed a person's livelihood for a very extended period of time. We haven't seen anything like this, at least in our generation, um, for uh, forever. We haven't seen anything like what this coronavirus has done to us. So I think we are at that point where it's time to start to to take a risk, to start to slowly phase some things back into our into our life, see how that goes, but also at a point of it's time for businesses, it's time for sports, it's time for these things to finally make money and get back to, to some sort of operational standards. And I think the biggest thing here, AB, I know we sound silly when we make this com- comment, but you know we obviously have invested so much time, money, and effort into sports in our in our lifetime. We're at a point where I can confidently say I think as a as a world, as a society, at least for myself, I need sports back. We are at that point where we need this type of entertainment back on our TV. And I did watch a hole or two of the whatever it was called, um, the match or whatever with Tom Brady, Peyton Manning, and Tiger Woods. It was cool to see sports in some fashion back, but it was just god-awful not seeing any type of fans in the stands, no type of reaction whatsoever after a, a golf ball being hit. So fans play a huge role in the game, but I just need it back. And when we can get to that point of having 100% fans back, I'm fine with that, but let's just get some kind of competitive nature back and, and start brewing with that. I'm right there with you, Adam. I think the fans bring a certain aspect to the game. Players... You know, I know I played at high school and college. I know you played high school ball and, of course, some rec league. Anytime you get a spectator, the game changes. Whether you got somebody booing for you, cheering for you, just sitting there making noise, it, it brings a different aspect. And we go from you know a broad landscape of just high school to college, and then college to professional. It, it changes drastically. Of course, college, you get a little bit more in your face. You get more of those rowdy crowds. And I totally see that argument that you always made, you know, college games are a little bit more fun because you get that true home field advantage. And, you know, you look at like baseball and you look at, of course, the NBA here and hockey, as we're going to talk about here, looking like they're going to resume play here shortly. There's not going to be a home ice or home field or home court advantage for a lot of these teams moving forward. And that's what I think is going to play the biggest factor in these postseasons for hockey and basketball, respectively. You know, you think about hockey especially. I, I know I'm not as much of a hockey enthusiast as you, but those home ice things, that home ice advantage is a huge advantage. I mean, I, I go back, I'm, again, I'm not a huge hockey guy, but every time you hear the home crowd just chanting the away goalie's name when they get on a little bit of a run or trying to get into his head, if a team goes on a little bit of a run, you're not going to hear that at a neutral site. I know the NBA has talked about having close family be able to quarantine with them uh, as we move forward here. So I think that'll be a little bit of fun for these guys, I'm sure, kind of like that AAU atmosphere, kind of like almost like a high school atmosphere for them to have, you know, just their close relatives, close family members with them. Who knows number-wise how many guys they're going to have. You know, will we see the James gang there sitting courtside watching LeBron? That's all up in the air still. But, uh, you know, I think about in the NBA, it's a game of runs. You know, if you see the Lakers, they're down in a game against the Clippers, right? Let's say they're in the conference semifinals. And, and they're down, and the Lakers go on a big run here. They're not going to be able to feed off of a home or visiting crowd. And I think that that's something that's huge because I truly think there is something that goes into it. A lot of coaches 
call those timeouts just to take the crowd out. So a little bit of coaching is going to change. A little bit of officiating is going to change. If you get a bad call, you're not going to have that reaction instantly from fans. So I completely agree with you that it is weird watching these uh, instances where there are no fans to root for, especially in some of these sports that we never really watch as it is that, you know, I'm not a huge golf aficionado like you talk about, but it's going to be interesting to see how referees change their calls with no fans. Are they going to call the game a little bit more tight? Is it going to be a little bit more loose? They don't have to worry about the home fans. They don't have to worry about players feeding off the crowd if there's not a call or a call that goes against them. So it's going to be very interesting to see here, Adam. And I think, I'm going to enjoy it being a little bit different. Yeah, and I think really, just to piggyback off of that, it's an approach thing too. And I think I, I want to go to hockey because I, I think the Blackhawks could paint the best picture of this. But, you know, if you haven't been to a Hawks game, it's time to go just because of the national anthem and Jim Cornelison and hearing the crowd in a, a setting that's unlike majority of other sports where you have a crowd during this national anthem just screaming and yelling and, and patting on the glass and doing whatever they can to make as much noise as they possibly can. And then you drop the puck basically instant, you know, immediately after that. So, you know, you're looking at a team that's amped up, that has that approach of having that crowd riled up to get that extra, you know, energy to go out and play in front of their fans. Now you're looking at potentially playing in front of a empty arena or almost a soundless-like environment for the most part. So it'll be very strange. But it's time to get to the agenda. And before we do here, to get some housekeeping out of the way, first and foremost, thanks for being with us. If this is your first time listening, make sure you find us on social media so you can stay up to date for future podcasts and also the latest and greatest in the sports world on social media. Find us. We are at Chicago Brawl. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. But AB, we've talked about some of the resumption-like ideas. I think it's time we get into a little bit of the nitty-gritty, and I know things are starting to pop up, and baseball might end up looking like they're in their own little corner at the end of this. But focusing now on NBA and the NHL, because these are two teams that seem to be very close to an actual resumption. Gary Bettman having a press conference um, earlier in the week to actually talk about the resumption of play. I'm going to just open it up here to you. Your thoughts on what the NBA is doing, what the NHL is specifically trying to do, maybe what's most interesting to you, and maybe when this actually happens. Well, the most interesting thing has to be that the Blackhawks are going to be involved in this playoff, it looks like this playoff picture. Uh, I think the biggest thing, though, is where are they going to play? I know Chicago has been mentioned as the hub city. I know I asked you a little bit about it. Is it going to be neutral sites? I read up on it a little bit after uh, we had our little bit of a combo about it. And, you know, it, it seems like there's it's this great plan. It looks exciting, I believe. It's the Western Conference. I think it's five through ten uh, or, or somewhere between one and a half to one game spread apart. So it makes a lot of sense to them. Uh, so I understand bringing back all of those teams. The only thing is, are you going to do this in different cities? How do you go about putting players and teams in specific cities versus not? I'm assuming it's going to be something about you know where their relative location is. Uh, it'll be very interesting. And then do players get to have family members like the NBA has talked about? You know, What is this game going to look like? Uh, it should be interesting for hockey uh, in, in a sport where – there's not a lot going on for it because it just seems like it's one of those sports who's probably in the next 10 to 15 years going to be out of the quote-unquote big four sports here in America. It looks like this is an opportunity that they're trying to capitalize on, knowing that there's really not much competition. Also, the NBA is going to be brewing here, and that's what you know I would love to talk about. I know that you and I spoke before we were when we were prepping for the show. It seems like on every podcast I've listened to this week, everybody's talking about the Kevin O'Connor uh 
round robin style tournament, kind of like the World Cup, where you got 20 teams in there, and you know you you go one through 20, and you organize them so the Bucks will be the one seed, the Lakers two, Clippers three, and so on from there, and you kind of do like the the zigzag or the snake draft, uh, kind of like a fantasy football. I, I love the idea. Uh, I'm all for trying something new. I know you've always complained about basketball, how you hate the first round. Uh, you know, we, we've heard it over and over on all these podcasts. You'll get Bucks Magic round one. I, I know for somebody like you, you might turn into maybe tune into maybe half of a game or if even that much. Because uh, let's be honest, Bucks, Bucks and Magic is just not going to sell itself with a name. There's no true superstar on that Magic team. So to try and sell it to a market right now where there's nothing on there, uh, it trying to sell four games, hopefully five, if the, the Magic can steal one. It just doesn't seem too appealing, but you get you bring in 20 teams now where you get an opportunity for a Zion Williamson and a Dane Willard to be superstars who aren't in that 16 teams right now. Their teams aren't in there. You give them an opportunity to play in this round-robin style thing, and I think it makes it a little bit interesting. And let's face it, Adam, we are in a, a moment in history in sports, in our lives, and probably in hopefully the only time in our generation where we can try something different because guess what? This is all different to all of us. So I, I think it's very interesting. I like that hockey's taking an approach to do the one through 24. And I think it's awesome that basketball's even considering. I think the only thing with basketball now is, hey, let's figure something out before it gets too late. Let's let's vote on something. Let's make a decision. You're going to leave people upset. Of course, the Bucks are going to get screwed over a little bit playing against the team probably that they didn't want to have to face. But at the end of the day, if you want to be the champion, you're going to have to go th- – through and beat some of these teams yeah i think that's the, the the nail on the head right there is that disparity between eastern and western conference whereas a team like the bucks who you know Giannis and this this milwaukee bucks team that hasn't been able to get to the nba finals yet where this is a, a glaring opportunity that they would this season and now maybe that's depleted because of the way that this is going to be you know logistically put together are they going to have to get through the clippers and or the lakers just to get to an actual final we'll see how they uh how that all all of that pans out but i kind of want to go in two different angles here because when i look at the hockey there's just an amount of excitement from an actual fan here and then when i look at the basketball i almost want to go back in time about eight years so i, I think starting with hockey I'm going to go really quickly through this because I, this is kind of a uh, rinse and repeat like statement. The NHL playoffs is one of my, if not the most favorite playoff in all of sports that I follow. By doing this method of adding in additional teams in a sport where flukes and luck I think play a larger role than in other games just makes this so much more appealing to me. And of course, having some bias here, throwing in a team like the Blackhawks, who have won Stanley Cups in shortened series before, in shortened seasons, excuse me, before, what does that do to a team like this? I know it's different, different DNA than how they had won in previous years, but how is that going to be when this resumption occurs? So I think there's so much from a fan perspective of excitement that I have going forward for the NHL playoffs. When I look at the basketball, I know that athletes, NBA athletes, and good NBA athletes for that matter, probably don't share the same feeling as me, but how cool is it? You know, I'm a type of person that would be itching for any opportunity to play any type of open gym-like basketball. Now you're saying, and I don't know how this is all going to go down, so you might know obviously better than me, but 
go out to Disney World and probably play, you know, you wouldn't be playing, but there'll be multiple games going on each day. I mean, this reminds me of summer league basketball where you're just kind of going out there and obviously the competition will be much higher. You're playing for an actual championship. But we said this and it's hard to believe. I think it was already two months ago. One of our first reactions was kind of compiling thoughts of because of what happened with the coronavirus and the stoppage of sports, what improvements could be made to the postseason, whether it's just a one-year fix or maybe a long-term solution somehow catches from this. These are the kind of things that when things were as bad as they were during this coronavirus, and now we're starting to see a little bit of light, maybe it will just be a short-term fix for us. Maybe it will stretch into a long-term fix. Maybe we get some actual cool innovation or some change here from all of this that we get to see now in the post-seasons of some of our favorite sports. I just know right now, selfishly, as a teacher, it's not a lot going on. If you can give me NBA basketball, kind of like a March Madness style where the games start at maybe 11 or 12 Eastern time, and I can watch NBA basketball throughout the whole day. These are quote-unquote playoff games, and then we get into a true tournament, one through eight. Uh, I think that in a time where we've lost so much sports, I know you and I would probably eat it all up especially that we can't go to the public pools, that we really can't go to these restaurants still. The malls are still closed, but slowly starting to open up. I know for you and I, who have probably strayed away from the TV a lot lately, it would be really fun to see and exciting to watch. I'm looking forward to sports coming back, and it just seems like every day there is momentum building towards sports coming back. But I guess it's to find out, like you said, is this really a business trying to come back or is this trying to give us an entertainment but obviously adam it seems like it's a little bit of both both business and of course entertainment for us as fans don't tell mlb that that this is uh for the fans don't tell the players that at least but ab really quick when's the last time you've been to a public pool i know you said that's something that we are unable to do i'm curious is that something that is a frequent beltrano summer visit for you well, I'm talking about like water parks or like pools in a hotel. I, I, I can't foresee myself wanting to do activities like that anymore. I know a big thing on the the Halleck thing was uh, when you get to a hotel, look for the hotel pool. Uh, I won't share that story with uh, the rest of the podcast, the rest of our audience, but uh, big times. Uh, I love going to water parks, but, you know, I think about just going to like my family used to go to Wisconsin Dells like three times a year, you know. You think about water parks, like a lot of Wisconsin Dells is built around water parks and hotels with water parks. How, how excited are people going to feel about going to places like that anymore? Uh, very interesting, and I'm sure a place like Wisconsin Dells is hurting badly right now. All right, I, I'm with you on that. I thought maybe you were doing some type of uh, jumping around DuPage County looking for public pools and something like that. But, you know, I, I'll close it here. Every single hotel should have a pool, regardless of how high of a level of business they want to do. Every hotel deserves to have a pool. But enough of that. But, A.B., hopefully some light here with some sports resumption. And and we've talked a little bit about football. We've talked just briefly about baseball here. We've talked a little bit about football, briefly about baseball. But next up, want to welcome in a very special guest here joining us, Adnan Verk, to talk some football, talk some baseball, to talk sports in general for that matter, and so much more. We'll welcome in Adnan right after this. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. <laughs> Heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. 
spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. And now we go out to Adnan Verk joining us this week on the hotline. He is with the DAZN Network. He is also a co-host of the GM Shuffle. Adnan, thanks for joining us this week. How are things going for you given this epidemic that we're living through, being somebody so involved with sports? What have you been up to? It's been a crazy time, Anthony. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. It's, um, you know, you're always go, go, go. And I'm really lucky to have so many different places I work at. You mentioned DAZN, MLB Network, NHL Network, uh, my podcast, Jim Shuffle and Cinephile through Cadence 13. And then doing some freelance work for Sirius on MLB Network Radio. And then all of a sudden, you know, as of mid-March, it's just screeching to a halt. And, um, you know, obviously I haven't done anything for the league networks in a while. The zone, I was able to do some stuff. For the NFL draft, because the zone has the rights to the NFL in Canada. Uh, Sirius, I haven't done anything because all their uh, regulars are available right now. Because normally, you know, I always filling in with the other guys who are busy. So I'm grateful to have podcasts. Uh, and I'm grateful to do Cinephile and GM Shuffle. Because otherwise, I would literally be doing nothing. Obviously, I'm busy with homeschooling and uh, keeping those guys busy and keeping them active. And it's been tough here in North Jersey because the restrictions, like everywhere, have been so severe, understandably. But it's opening up a little bit. Uh, we got the parks open a couple weeks ago, which was huge. Uh, so at least the boys can run around a little bit and uh, hope they're making progress. I hope you and yours are staying safe as well. Uh, my brother actually lives in Wisconsin. He's in Franklin, Wisconsin. It's been an hour and a half from Chicago. So I have a, I have a soft spot for the Midwest in many ways. Also, Chicago often termed as another version of Toronto, which I, I think I agree with. Whenever I've been to Chicago, it does often feel like my hometown of Toronto. You know, cold weather city with friendly people, great summers, great restaurants, very cultured, all that kind of stuff, which is great. Well, I appreciate you shouting out that. And, of course, we appreciate you giving us your best wishes. Uh, it's a weird, weird time for all of us. And, of course, I can't even imagine somebody um, who has children right now, um, and no children for me as of yet, uh, but I, I can't even imagine trying to be a teacher when it's something that you really didn't go to school to do or something that you didn't really take on as, as a, a parent, but you know, it's just something that comes with the job of being a parent. But you mentioned Chicago and you were shouting out Chicago. I was going to ask you this question a little bit later, but Adam and I got into a little bit of a, a heated debate uh, in a group text that we were in with some, some of my family members. Uh, Want to get your opinion as somebody who covers Chicago and Chicago sports scene from a couple of different um, outlooks what are your just your overall thoughts on Chicago sports right now? Um, I always make the argument that if you take Michael Jordan out of the equation from Chicago, 
Chicago is just another average sports city. I know it's it's a great market. I know it's one of the largest media outlets and media markets. But if you take Michael Jordan out of the equation, it's just a, a city that never really can get over the hump. It's very inconsistent. But when you throw Michael Jordan in there, he kind of saves the city. I think that's a great analogy. At times, you're right. People think of Chicago, they just think of Jordan, especially now just having watched The Last Dance. You know, There's so much nostalgia around that era. You forget you know, how many lean years the Bulls had prior to Jordan's arrival and how bleak it's been for many years post his return. You know, obviously, Derrick Rose, MVP. And of course, I love baseball most of all. It's my favorite sport. And in Chicago, as you know, the number one is probably the Bears. Bears do anything. It's incredible. The Cubs are enormous. And of course, winning the World Series, first time in 108 years. Losers for so long. Then all of a sudden, they started to good. But the bottom line is this. Chicago, they scream the Bears. People just love the Bears. The Cubs fandom is so big. Of course, it's split. North, south, south, south. Well, you know, with the Cubs and with the White Sox. But the Bears, everybody loves. It's just been underachieved for so many years. You know, aside from, again, the Super Bowl shuffle and the fridge and Jim McMahon and all the rest of it, again, chronic underachievement. Never really, especially when you look at their counterparts. Let me find the Lions also stink. Obviously, they haven't won a Super Bowl since 57. But if you look at their main rival, the Packers and all the I agree with you as far as saying the Babbage fan interest. I think the fans are totally into it. Jim, sports radio is always great. Great broadcaster. Cubs Network now, Marquee. But yeah, I always find it the number one dog in town hasn't won a Super Bowl in 30. The Cubs are obviously number two. They won 108 years of that winning. The White Sox, which I, I hope are poised to make some moves. I like the fact they're spending. I can't wait to see Luis Robert. And I love the fact that and they go ahead and sign you know, the likes of Yasmani Grandal and others. But again, they're always kind of playing second fiddle to the Cubs, with the, with the exception of Ottawa being a big White Sox fan. And then, of course, the Bulls. I haven't even gotten the Bulls, to your point. Ever since MJ, now to me, they feel like the number four team in the city. And Adnan, you, you read my mind. I, I was just going to get to kind of how things have been going here in Chicago. And I'm the person that is, I'm going to just throw my fandom out here, but I, I'm cheering at the point that the Blackhawks are just getting a chance because of the way things have been going in Chicago. And I am on the south side of town. I'm, I'm a White Sox fan. So I know you were talking about them starting to spend money, but if this season does resume and it gets kicked off and gets rolling here pretty soon, I mean, can you kind of tell me maybe where you see this White Sox here in the, in the short term, where they actually can be in this 2020 season? Yeah, Adam, by the way, you mentioned the Blackhawks. It's a Canadian. I should have given my Blackhawks a lot, but I have a real issue with the Blackhawks. I'm a huge Flyers fan. In 2010, <laughs> I still I can't get over what the hell your Blackhawks did to me in six games. That's why I try to forget the names of Patrick Kane and Jonathan James. Although I do I do love <clears throat> excuse me, Jonathan James made plays for Team Canada. He's been so good for so many years. Like a late goal still haunts me in my dreams. Anyways, to your point, and by the way, great. I mean, the, the run that they had, obviously, you know, the three cups in six years was awesome. But since that's gotten very bleak as well. And logos in all time on that sweater. Um, as far as the White Sox, yeah, I mean, listen, I like Kenny Williams. I like the fact that, you know, they're, they're looking to spend money. They're trying to make moves that they were in on Machado. There was more guaranteed money with the Padres. Even more money with the White Sox, but it was more incentive-laden. So it's interesting. So many of these teams you feel like are hesitant to spend and then there's the White Sox saying, hey, we'll spend. You know, like we're, we're looking at this year. We'd like to catch one of these teams. And I think it would be too dramatic a turnover to have them go from sub-500 to be a division champion. I don't think the Twins are going to be 100 wins. Again, they fall back a little bit. The Tigers still stink. The Royals stink. Um, so I think it helps you. The Royals are not very good. Uh, so I think that helps you. you get a couple of really bad teams in your division. You can beat up that. Obviously, it was a normal season. There would be 38 games. Two teams you can really make hay. Instead, as you mentioned, it's going to be a different schedule, so we don't really know 
depending on if or not we get baseball back. But I think White Sox trending in the right direction. Keiko was an overpay. I mean, he's no longer the ace he wants. I know he's one of Cy Young, but, he, but he's a great number three and could be a very good number two. And I like with their young arms, if Kopech, healthy, Carlos Radon could be very important. You know, the, the, the bullpen has been improved. You know, obviously their offense is good. I mean, they're going to hit home runs. I'm glad that Jose Abreu stayed there. He looks like he's happy and content on the south side. And then I mentioned, I got like Robert, supposed to be apparently the next Mike Trout. So I can't wait to see him. So, and listen, if it was a full season, I'd, call, I'd pencil in the White Sox for 85 wins. Now that it's going to be a shortened season, it's anybody's guess. But I think they could contend for a wild card. And next year to full season, I think with a couple of moves, they could contend for a division. I think they're really, really good. Music to my ears, not only how close they are, but that would be a cash on that Vegas over, I think, which was 83 and a half for the White Sox. And on your note about that 2010 uh, GWG by Patrick Kane, I don't know how many times I have to watch that game. I still don't see that puck go in the net. <laughs> I was working at ESPN at the time. I had just started there in May of 2010. And so everybody, too, since I'm from Toronto, that I'm a huge Leafs misperception about me. I have to explain to people very quickly, which is that I have an older brother was a huge Oilers fan because of Gretzky and Messier and he's a front runner and Curry and Fuhrer, et cetera. So in 85 and 87, Edmonton, of course, played Philly. So being brothers, I just naturally cheered for the Flyers and it became a lifelong Flyers fan. I adore Blackstall remains one of my favorite athletes of all time. My eldest boy is now 12, he's 20, and it's a, he created Ron Hextall a game a boy could ever do for his father. Tony Terror being on the set of ESPN News to the Highland Express and that's like a wrap-up show, right? Like the late sports center. So we had to like wait until the game was over. I remember doing some meaningless highlights, whatever the hell I was doing, and I couldn't care less about. And I kept having one TV on the hockey. It took every fiber of my being not to utter a profanity on the air. I had to remind myself I was on TV working at spin, even though I wanted to say the book. I mean, you talk about the all-time soft goals to end his Stanley Cup final. It was awful. And you're right. I went back and watched it. I like to torture myself. And you're right. Mike Emmerich was delayed on the call. Like, it took him about five seconds to say, oh, it's in. Okay, right. Like, the, the players are going nuts, but they did not get a signal right away. You're right. And now we get those Blackhawks, that same, pretty much the same core of guys having a chance here now uh, getting into the postseason. Um, I know it's a little bit of a funky time for everybody, uh, sports especially included for us majority who that's what we spend most of our time doing. Yeah. Uh you know, I know the NBA is pretty much toying with this idea of like a play in a pool. I know hockey's already talked about 24 teams coming into the postseason. Do you think it's more of a business model right now seeing these sports come back? Or are they truly uh, trying to provide entertainment in a time where we really, we really don't have entertainment right now uh, from a fan's perspective? So it's no question it's a business model. You say, listen, I'm trying to run an organization. And for the NBA, we've played 75% of our season. God, this feels awfully hollow and empty to not have the playoffs and not have a resolution. Similarly with hockey, it's 79% of the season played. God, this feels horrible to not know who's going to win the Stanley Cup. And it's interesting. Like If you had to have a, a case study and say, okay, what's worth? Baseball never got off the ground. They were two weeks away from starting, and then COVID-19 hits and they can't get going. Or is it worse to have what happened in the NBA and hockey? That you had great momentum, you're ready to roll, and also, boom. You're going you're to slam the brakes on it, and who knows how the players are going to be, how the quality of play will be impacted, and what it's going to look like. I mean, there's no way it's going to be a conventional playoffs. We all know that. It sounds like it'll be in Disney World, so you have one location, and players being trotted out, no fans. Hockey, it looks like two hub cities. One of them could be Las Vegas, Chicago, actually. 
I did read that could be um, a number of cities I've seen. Uh, in Canada, I know it could be Edmonton. It's going to look awfully weird, but in answer to your question, just get the games played. Okay, fine. There's no fans. The TV audience is going to be robust. As you mentioned, with regards to entertainment, people are losing their minds. I mean, anybody who's not a sports fan can at least appreciate the importance that sports has for sports fans. Two and a half months, people are losing their minds going, God, I just love to watch some sports. I am not a huge soccer fan, yet, of course, I tune in to watch some of the Bundesliga to get my sports fix. I'm not guy but i watched a bit of the coca-cola 600 a little bit of sports i see the premier league is coming back june 17th again not a big english premier league soccer fan but i will be watching just to get some sports going and then of course this baseball hockey basketball you know, i hope they all come back sooner rather than later so I, I to your point i do think the league tries to say hey listen let's do the right thing you know collectively some entertainment back this will help in some small measure heal the nation and help overcome this incalculable loss of 100 but don't forget Money is obviously a big motivating factor as well. Absolutely. Money is always the motivator. Um, you know, you mentioned the NBA coming back. You mentioned hockey coming back. It's exciting. You mentioned, look, trying to get another sports fix. I was talking to Adam earlier when we were recording our portions of the show. I started watching the uh, Lance Armstrong documentary, something I probably never would have watched uh, if I didn't have this much time on my hands just to try and get that sports fix. Um, but you're somebody who's been around the sports business now, uh, at least on our TVs for the past 10 years, you know, 2010, you talk about making your debut with ESPN. How has in the last 10 years from somebody who is on camera to doing podcasts now, I, I know I listen every week to the GM shuffle as many episodes as I can get in that you guys provide to us. Um, you know, I, I love that, that podcast. I think between you and Mike, uh, you guys go a little bit off the rails, a little bit more than most <laughs> most other people do, which it's awesome. Yeah. You guys, you guys have you guys, you know, you call people out who call you out. You're not afraid to to stand your ground on certain takes, and I love it. So, how has the sports business and covering sports changed uh, since you've been brought up into the business to where we are today? And maybe where do you think it's going to go in the future? Well, thanks for the compliment, GM Shop, MLB NHL Network, the Zone, Sirius. Uh, cinephile. GM Shuffle is the one in many ways I'm so proud of. You know, at ESPN, as great a place as it was to work, I never was a machine. You know, much like a sport there, it's hard to kind of crack the lineup. And they've got great people, whether it's Trey Wingo or Sam Ponder, or of course, Boomer for so many years, Z Culver, et cetera, et cetera. So uh, at ESPN, I was thrilled I got to do college football, but as you know, I didn't grow up with college football as much as I like NFL is a sport that I really love. So I'm so happy I get to work with Mike. And we get to talk with the NFL, and you're right, we do like to go off the rails. We have a similar penchant, as you know, for mob mopanos and, and all that kind of stuff. But I think that actual example is what I think will always be important in television, which is you got to have good chemistry. You know, whatever TV I've ever done, whatever radio I've done, whatever podcasts I've done, get along with the people you work with. And that doesn't mean you can't disagree, that you can't see the world differently, but ultimately you've got to kind of find some common and enjoy being with each other. And even enjoy disagreeing with each other whenever that happens, but really kind of enjoying each other's company. And I think that's the biggest thing. Whenever I ask people, you know, why do you like a certain broadcaster or why do you prefer their content? They just say, well, I just like them. You know, whatever, whatever newscaster it is, entertainment, sports, you go, eh, I just like them. And then I think that likability is always important. Whatever your favorite broadcaster is, you have to feel like, you know what, I'd like to hang out with this person. I'd like to have a meal with them or have a drink, just have a conversation. They seem genuine. They seem authentic. They seem sincere. 
And uh, they seem like themselves. And even if I disagree with them, you know, I find them interesting. And I think that's always important. And I think that's what will never go away. The shift that I've obviously seen here has been, you know, how cable has been completely eradicated. It's, it's, it, eradicated is probably too strong, but it's certainly morphed and diminished in many ways. Like in 2010, ESPN had 100 million subscribers. I believe the number is now down to something like 84 million. So 17 million in 10 years. I mean, that, that's a colossal number when you say, wow, 20% of subscribers are gone after that number being so strong for so many years. So that really has been the rise to streaming and Netflix and Hulu and Amazon Prime and, and hopefully now DAZN as well in the sports space. So I think that's what I've noticed is that that conventional thought that in the morning you'd wake up and watch Sports Center didn't really happen now. I mean, maybe it happens for some, but again, I've got kids in my house. They don't get up and say, let's watch Sports Center. Certainly now with no live sports on. They, they like to watch highlights on YouTube. Um, you know, they'll, they'll check social media and Twitter and Instagram. That's what I've really noticed, the, the erosion of conventional cable and the rise of social media, particularly with a young audience. And what does that mean? It just means you've got to adapt. And, and thankfully, I was pretty, you know, I wouldn't say I was early on podcasts, but I really liked podcasts when people were getting into them. And now I've got two of them, and I think they're going to continue to grow. Podcasts are very interesting that this is the really interesting thing about them. I think they're oversaturated, which means that there's too many podcasts right now, and yet they're not even close to reaching their potential. Like, I think that the, if I looked at the average American, if you, guy, let's say every American, say how many of you listen to podcasts, it's probably a smaller number than it should be. And that number is going to continue to grow. And the people, by the way, who are into podcasts love them. They say, oh, my God, every time I'm in the car now, I don't listen to music. I just listen to podcasts. Or when I go to the gym, why would I listen to the same music over and over again? I'd rather just listen to a podcast. So I think it's interesting the way the mediums change and podcasts are a big part. Of it. They're going to continue to grow. So many different forums, so many different podcasts, no question. You mentioned working with somebody alike. Me and Anthony, we've hated each other now, fortunately, for over 25 years, been doing this for the last couple <laughs> of years. So it's been great. But Adnan, if I could just get you out on this, on the way out here, my one day very soon, hopefully I'm going to be able to travel again, and my family vacations are now surrounded by sporting events and probably the local breweries that follow. What Covering so many different sports, so many different teams, Tell me where you've been in the sports world. Where's the coolest place to go and, and where I should be? It's a Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> Heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then, Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now, Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. 
No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Great question. You know, for years before I worked at ESPN, I used to love Jim Cable's running on page two. They'd rank all the best stadiums in baseball. So that's always where my mind goes first. It was always one of my goals. Is Even when I was 18 in college, I said, God, I'd like to go to every stadium. That would be the coolest thing ever. Um, so I, one of the best things I ever got to do at ESPN is I got to call games at the Holy Trinity, which, of course, includes Wrigley Field in Chicago, but also Fenway Park and Yankee Stadium. And I thought, God, this is so cool. I get to actually call games there. All three are great. The one I actually love the most is Camden Yards because it's got that great mix of both the retro feel and the modern feel. I think it's just an incredible ballpark. And, and I love that area of Baltimore. You know, Baltimore obviously has been through a lot. It's a tough city in many ways. But that inner harbor is spectacular. I mean, I could just go there for the crab cakes and walk along the water in the summer. The people are very friendly and hospitable. And, you know, there's a really good vibe to it, especially if you go see a ball game in July. I, I love going to games there. I just went through for a lot better team, obviously. Um, it's interesting, though, having been in college football at ESPN, I got to experience things I never thought I would, including going to Tuscaloosa, which is fascinating for me, knowing how Alabama is like a religion unto itself in that state and how the football is so powerful. That was very cool, to, uh, going to Brian Denny and seeing a game there and meeting Nick Saban and talking to him and kind of walking the grounds. That was very, very cool. I'd still like to do a college football game like at like LSU. You know, I think it pretty cool. You know, obviously a Tiger Stadium, and that would be awesome special. But I thought that was fun I got to do. Um, you know, college basketball, I've been to a Final Four in Michigan. That's a lot of fun, although, again, with our new reality, you wonder when's the next time we're going to a real Final Four. Not even next year, right? Probably maybe next year could be 25% capacity. The next time you'll have a big 70,000 crowd could be, you know, a couple of years from now. So I am dismayed by that and sad about that. But hopefully it'll bounce back. But those stadiums and those kinds of memories are definitely special. And, um, yeah, I mean, I also went to Miami. You know, I went to, to Phoenix, and those places were fun as well. I mean, the NFL, obviously you guys know, Soldier Field special, but Lambo's one that's also on my list, although I, 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 with with age, I get less interested in the idea of going to Lambeau Field when it's minus five. It's, it's less of an appetizing thought to me as I get older. The frozen tundra, that's for sure. But you could stay out of Chicago once you get to January, February, because we're having that as well. But Adnan, amazing stuff. Appreciate your time, your knowledge, your stories, and everything in between. Thank you so much for being with us this week on the Chicago Brawl. All right, Adam, Anthony, I appreciate it, guys. Thanks for uh, being patient. I know we hooked up a while ago, so I'm glad we're able to do this now. And shout out to the great city of Chicago, my boy Adam and me, one of my favorite people in the world. He and I work together at ESPN. I know he's a mainstay in Chicago. He's leaving ESPN. He's now going to Fox. So whenever I go to Chicago, I think of him. I love the Michigan Mile. And as I mentioned, my brother who lives in Franklin, Wisconsin, is a diehard Cubs fan. So I... Uh, I have a good uh, – oh, also, I didn't even mention Rick Sutcliffe, of course, who I worked with many years at ESPN. He's like a Chicago institution. God, Chicago cut. Every time he tells me, it's the best. So uh, I hope you guys are all staying safe, and uh, hopefully we'll get through this. We're doing our best, and actually, your buddy Adam Amin, not only was – he actually came on our podcast a couple of weeks ago, but Anthony, myself, and Adam all went to the same high school. A little fun fact for you at Addison Terrell. Oh, that's great. I will bet. I will text him right now. I spoke to him a couple weeks ago when all the stuff was going on with ESPN and Fox. Uh, like I said, we became very good friends in our time at ESPN. That I, I feel like he's a Chicago institution. So now that you guys went to the same high school, so what's the name of the high school? I'll just text him that right now. Abs- Addison Trail High School. Adam and Anthony. Chicago Brawl. <laughs> okay. Perfect. Perfect. I'll just, I'm going to say, I'm just going to text him how great is Addison Trail High School. That's right. <laughs> the best high school in the country, baby. <laughs> <laughs> and then thank you so much. This was awesome. We'd love to do it again. Thank you so much for your time. All right. Thanks, boys. Take care. Make sure you check him out. He's on Twitter. He's at Adnan S. Verk. Find him on Twitter. 
Also follow his work with NHL Network, MLB Network, and the GM Shuffle Podcast. And thanks to our guest, Adnan Verk, joining us this week on the Chicago Brawl Podcast. Make sure you are subscribing to us wherever you get your podcast. We are at Chicago Brawl. Make sure you're following us on all forms of social media. We are on Facebook, Twitter, and, of course, Instagram. We are at Chicago Brawl. Adam, of course, we talked about it this week as we get into our Chicago crossover segment. The Blackhawks are in the postseason. That means postseason hockey here in Chicago. Your thoughts on the Blackhawks getting some opportunity here to win the Stanley Cup. Of course, usually it happens in the middle and end of June, but who knows? Maybe the Hawks could be hoisting this cup in late August, early September. What are your thoughts? Well, I mean, it's exciting. I mean, no question. I mean, it's one of those opportunities where in sports you got a fighting chance, and that's all you need. I mean, as, as any type of person and just because the Blackhawks are, I'm a fan of the team, I, I'm passionate about the team, you almost feel like you're a part of the team at that point. You get super competitive, and all you ask for is a chance. And, you know, I think I've said it, I, I forget, since they were swept by by Nashville. Because remember, the Hawks really are not coming off of too strong of a, a last half of the season type stretch. I forget if it was two or I think it was three years ago when being swept in the opening round of the playoffs and then two consecutive seasons, really what would have been a third this year, missing the postseason. Not really going in the right direction here. But this is just the opportunity, I think, of a lifetime because I've said it for three years. This is a type of team with the veteran presence that they have with a healthy mix of young players to kind of fit in and a goaltender that's been there, done that before with with Corey Crawford, where you just want that fighting chance. You want to be that team that plays the Tampa Bay Lightning last year and shocks the world. That's what you want when you're in the underdog position. You got nothing to lose, and that's what the Hawks have. They have nothing to lose. They've won three Stanley Cups. They have the players like Patrick Kane, Jonathan Taze, who have been successful. Well, now it's just an opportunity to let your veterans kind of prevail to the top here. Go in a very awkward stretch of not playing and not practicing to probably some type of high-speed approach of quick practice and then back onto the rink for postseason-like hockey. So, you know, I, I think this is really cool what it, what the NHL is doing. I really don't want to critique it too much. Obviously, I have some bias here because of the method landing the Hawks a spot into the playoffs. But I love the NHL just saying, you know what, let's just forget about it. We're going to extend to put additional teams in, and let's give everybody a chance in a, in a, a forum like the NHL playoffs. Anything can happen, and that's that little bit of light I've got going for this year's Blackhawk team. Well, I think the craziest thing about this Blackhawks team is did they not just fire their president and CEO, and now they make the postseason? Kind of remi- reminds me of a team here in Chicago like the Bulls, and I hope to God we don't get to see any Bulls playoff basketball because I hope we see the last of – Jim Boylan here in Chicago, but it's very interesting to see in a time where the Blackhawks are going to be going through some face change here, changing up that front office. Uh, They're given an opportunity here to get in the postseason. I think the most interesting thing that I'm looking forward to hearing about the Blackhawks in this postseason format, hopefully knock on what it gets to happen is how long are these series going to be? I'm sure the NHL is going to try and milk as much money as they can, but it seems like the later and later we get into uh, this season or resuming this postseason starting, I guess I should say, is how much time are they going to have for each series? Is the first round going to be three games? Is it going to be five? Is the second round going to be seven? Is the third round going to be seven? Or is the first round going to be like that normal seven games? That's what I'm most interesting to, interested to see. Because if you go five games, you look at this Blackhawks team, if they can steal one game early on, and I guess I shouldn't really say steal because there is no true home and home here or, you know, uh, 
home ice advantage. If the Blackhawks can steal a game early on in the series, give a team with a lot of confidence, a team with a lot of veterans like you've been talking about, a fighting chance. And like you've been saying over and over, all you need is that fighting chance, especially with those veterans. Uh, I'm very excited for this Blackhawks team because, Adam, between you and I, this could be the last time we see those core guys together, Crawford, Kane, Taves, and Duncan, Duncan Keith. But, Adam, we're going to shift gears here, and we're going to get out of our ice hockey talk. It's nice to talk a little hockey there. Uh, hopefully the Hawks will be on the ice here pretty soon for us, providing us with some, well, probably undeserving so playoff hockey. But I want to go to the to the Bears here. And I was listening to a podcast the other day, uh, the Colin Coward podcast, and he had Matt Nagy on, and he thinks the world of Matt Nagy and all of Andy Reid's disciples. Uh, just listening to Matt Nagy, it, it, I know we've had coaches here in Chicago before that we've learned to like, and then over the course of time they kind of rubbed us the wrong way. I just want to take your perspective, and I know we really didn't prep for this part of the show talking about the Bears because I didn't think we were going to talk anything about the Bears, but where are you on your stance of Matt Nagy? Do you think he could still be the coach that we thought we had in 2018? Or do you think he's going to be the coach, kind of like that lame duck coach that we saw in 2019, still with this quarterback, still trying to struggle with this offense? What are your thoughts on that, Nagy? My only concern uh, with, with this is, did we already see this before? And the reason I say that is because I was a person that when Mark Trestman came to town, I was on board with Mark Trestman. I was saying this is the way to go. You had a defensive team for so long. Let's kind of keep some of that core in place. You need an offensive mind, and you brought in a guy like Tressman, which I thought was the intention of, hey, having someone else run the defense, I'm going to be this mastermind. I'm going to throw this brand-new offense at the world. And to be completely honest, from an offensive standpoint, it worked in the beginning. It worked having Alshon Jeffrey, Brandon Marshall, Matt Forte, and Jay Cutler. And then it just wore off. And then the character of Mark Trestman kind of wore in there where it was like, this guy's a joke. This guy can't run an NFL locker room. Like, guys aren't going to respect this. And guys are just going to go around and, and do whatever they want. And you've got Jeremiah Ratliff of the world having the Lake Forest police called after him. And Lance Briggs opened up restaurants. And you've just got chaos. With Matt Nagy, the, the credibility went, or the trust, I should say, within the team, I think, is nowhere near as concerning as it is with Mark Trestman. But you do have a guy that kind of came in saying, I'm a, a one, uh, I'm a one-trick pony here with the offense. And unfortunately, this is not an offense that has been mastered by any needs, by, by any... This is not an offense that has been nearly mastered. And there's still a glaring issue with the run game. That is a major point of an offense. If you can have a good passing attack, that's great. And you could probably win some games, but you got to have a complete offense. And the Bears have proven within the Matt Nagy era, they cannot establish a ground game. They cannot run the football. And I don't know if it's because of lack of offensive line talent lack of the right system, lack of an offensive line head uh, assistant coach, or what the matter is, but that is a glaring issue and a glaring flaw within Matt Nagy. So I'm going to take a step back now and come to the support a little bit more and say that you know the wrong quarterback has probably been here, and I think we're seeing that with the way that the Bears have gone about their offseason. Matt Nagy, if he was this offensive guru, he probably could take a Mitch Trubisky and, and who knows, maybe make him a little bit better than what we've seen. But the fact of the matter is, Nagy does not want 
Trubisky, he inherited him. This was his first head coaching job. Of course he's going to want the job to be the head coach of the Bears, and of course he's going to be optimistic, saying, I can win with this guy. But I think bringing in a Nick Foles type of person is the exact move for a Matt Nagy where for a Matt Nagy where he thinks he can save his offense, his reputation, and his team for that matter, maybe the window. Because you didn't get a guy that's going to be the number one quarterback in the league, but you have a guy that knows the system, a guy that did win a Super Bowl, and a guy that hopefully can bring a little bit more from what you have around him. So all in all, A.B., all in all, A.B., it is early in the guy's career, but going on a third season now, it is time to start seeing some results. I start with pointing the finger at the way the run game has gone here in Chicago. I think Foles can help that a little bit just by knowing the system and probably being a little bit more efficient in the passing attack. So I am I am confident with, with Matt Nagy. I, I think this will help. It's just I, I do have some concerns, but I, I think this can work itself out. I found myself listening to Nagy on the, the Coward Show and you know, I just like the guy. I like the, his attitude about things, still about culture, all about the players, team first mentality. And he just seems like a great guy to have a, a beer with. Just talk some ball. He's a Yingling family. guy. He's a Yingling Absolutely guy too, by the is. way. He's an easy he's an East Coast guy, so of course he is. Uh you know he's down to throw a couple back. He's got all boys. You know, I'm sure he grew up uh, you know, through this NFL system, made a lot of connections, knows a lot of people. Um I'm sure he could throw some back like we were just talking about. So I think he would be a great hang. He seems like a great guy. I really do hope it works out for him. And like you said, you know, he's not going to turn down a chance to work in one of the premier markets of the NFL in Chicago. And unfortunately, he was just dealt a bad hand right now with Mitch Trubisky. And that's why in 2018, he won the coach of the year, I think. And looking back on it with a little bit of bias here, because many of these GMs, many of these people in the media – thought what the Bears were doing, of course, the defense helped, of course, a little bit there, but what he was able to get out of Trubisky to lead this team to the division, to lead them to the postseason, gave him the opportunity to be one of the, regarded as the coach of the year, regarded as one of the best coaches in the NFL. Uh, 2019, of course, was not the same, but coming off of 11 wins, it's kind of hard to follow up that when you have that same quarterback who can't make any progress in his game. And, you know, I was on the Mitch train there for a little bit. I'm one foot in, one foot out. Uh, part of me still feels like Mitch is going to win this job at least to start the season uh, week one. I, I don't see that as an impossible thing. I, I think it's probably a little bit more realistic than people think. Uh, and I think he's probably motivated. And I think Matt Nagy's going to do the best that he can to get that, the best out of both of his quarterbacks. And I think when push comes to shove here, Nagy's not really tied to either of these guys. He didn't draft Trubisky. He's not trying to save his job like Ryan Pace is with Brandon and Nick Foles. So I think when Matt Nagy goes to Ryan Pace and says, hey, this is the better quarterback right now. He gives us the better opportunity to win ball games. Ryan Pace is going to have to go with his word because guess what? Ryan Pace needs all the support in Chicago that he can get right now, and it starts with his head coach. Because let's face it here, Adam, everybody else in that front office seems to be like an absolute joke, and the Bears need to get this right this 2020 season for whenever it starts Whatever it looks like, the Bears need to be an improved team on offense and especially at that quarterback position. You could argue that the quarterback position for the Chicago Bears may be one of the most important positions in all of football in 2020. So I'll pose a question to you here in a moment, but I, I the only reason I would say that Matt, 
Matt Nagy has a little bit more of a tie to Nick Foles is just because of the financial investment that's being put in him. And I know that ultimately is not Nagy's decision nor his stamp by by making that trade to get Foles, but bringing in Foles for the amount of money that's being paid, at least for this year, because I know contractually he could basically be off the books after that. But for bringing in Foles, I just think that that does carry a lot of weight. And in my opinion, you saying that you think that it's a realistic possibility that Mitch Trubisky can win the job. Yes, I do agree with you, but I think it's also that is more realistic due to the injury concerns of Nick Foles. If Nick Foles is healthy within this offseason, I really would anticipate Foles being the starting quarterback. But here's where I come in with my question here, maybe just a general thought for your reaction, is I've said a couple of times, I think the way that these things are shaking up, when you look at Mitch Trubisky and you look at Nick Foles and obviously you look at the the contracts there, there's a lot of uncertainty after this year. And there's a another realistic possibility that neither could be with the Bears next year where you're not going to want to bring back. If one of these guys does not do well, it almost seems like the other probably... Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice, and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> Heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in, these deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1,500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Won't do well either. And if you have another down season like we just saw a year ago, it's going to be probably pretty ju- pretty hard to justify bringing either of these guys back for the amount of money that it would take to bring these guys back in the year of 2021. So, I mean, man, can you imagine... If you really miss on both of these guys, if you really don't bring a quarterback back, it's hard to imagine in that circumstance that Ryan Pace is still considered. And then it's hard to imagine Matt Nagy's considered for that matter. So you are talking about just a, a mass construction of what could happen at this quarterback position. And really just, obviously I'm saying the obvious, just damaging an entire window that we that we thought we had here in Chicago two years ago. Well, I think the ultimate doomsday scenario is both those guys go down in the preseason or in the season and we're left with nobody and no evaluation for either, either of those guys. And let's face it, Adam, that is also a realistic possibility given the injuries for both of these guys. If both of these guys go down, one goes down preseason, one goes down training camp, whatever it may be. It's a very realistic possibility. Another 
realistic, probably very, very unrealistic, is Mitch Trubisky plays out of his mind, and then he's not under contract with the Bears. And then you let him walk. Do you give him the franchise tag? Do you give him an extension? I mean, that could just be a, a nightmare for Bears fans because at that point, what the hell do you do? You know, uh, I think the most realistic thing that's going to happen is Nick Foles wins the job. It's his job to lose uh, starting in week one. But like I said, I, I would not be surprised to see at least week one Mitch Trubisky under center for the Bears. It would not shock me at all. I know a lot of Bears fans would probably be pissed off, but in an off season where having a relationship with a quarterback and a coach is going to be vital and going to play a huge part of not being able to meet, not being able to have the normal off season. I would not be surprised at all. I know Nick Foles has ties to Matt Nagy. I know Nick Foles is a guy who knows the system, but Mitch Trubisky has been in the system now for over two years. He does have playoff experience with Matt Nagy. He does have a lot of camaraderie with, camaraderie with his teammates and with the Bears front office. I understand they paid Nick Foles all of this money to come in and try and compete for this job. But guess what? The Seahawks paid Matt Flynn, right? There are other teams that have paid guys in the offseason and then realized, hey, this isn't our guy. I'm not saying Mitch Trubisky is going to be Russell Wilson. I'm not saying that it's very unlikely that Mitch Trubisky will start. I'm just saying there is a possibility in some timeline where he could be there week one. And it could scare a lot of Bears fans, but it could be very realistic that we see him there. But, Adam, let's hope that Nick Foles is starting for the Bears. Let's hope that Mitch Trubisky can stay healthy. Let's just hope that we get some sort of healthy quarterback competition, may the best man win. When we talk about may the best man win here, we are going to roll into our first reaction segment here. Adam and I prep for the show, but at this point, all the notes get thrown out, and we throw each other a couple of questions that we have not talked about to each other before. We get the first reaction off the top of our heads. Adam, with all of this stuff going on right now, sports starting to to get back in the routine, with sports starting to come back into the fold, is there anything in your life that you've finally gotten back that you're enjoying besides sports or anything that you're doing that you weren't doing before for the last 10, 11 weeks, whatever it may be, that was part of the routine and then, then it wasn't for the last 10 weeks and now it's almost back into the routine? So I think things that I didn't do too much that I am kind of making a routine out of, probably to start bad habits, but it, it has been video games. I mean, I did get a PS4, so I guess it technically was before the coronavirus. I got it for Christmas this year. So I obviously was playing a little bit before, but obviously now getting the show here right before, right when the coronavirus basically started in March, or the shutdown for that matter, I should say. Uh, been playing that a little bit more routinely. I have been stalling out a little bit in my MLB The Show series, just got to the All-Star break. Um, but been playing that a decent amount, also looking for more shows. I wouldn't consider myself, or previously I wouldn't consider myself a huge TV or even entertainment for that matter connoisseur or anything like that. But I am trying to get into some new TV shows and, and sticking with them. Um, been watching a lot of Netflix stuff. I, I feel like the Netflix stuff has been has been pretty pretty solid lately. A little bit of a, a shout out or a plug to them. But also maybe um, you know some of the things that I did kind of start um, as well is, is brewing beer. Uh, big thanks to you on that one as well. But Looking for what will be my third batch. Planning to do a American Pale Ale here pretty soon. Hoping to start brewing this weekend. We'll see if that happens or not. Um, so that was a thing that truly did develop during this. And then 
Um, the bourbon drinking, I will say, started again prior to this, but it definitely enhanced this where I can't say that I've purchased a, a wide variety since this has started of, but I have been doing some research. I know one of the guys on Twitter, Carmen DeFelco from ESPN 1000, he does a Whiskey Wednesday review, so I'm routinely watching that each week, trying to gain a little bit more knowledge in, in different varieties of bourbon, whiskeys. Um, so probably all of those are probably bad habits, um, but that's kind of some of the new things that I've been starting to do. Yeah, whiskey is definitely its own science. Uh, I was gifted a blind tiger this weekend. Excited to rip that guy open. It is a 90-proof uh, bourbon whiskey. It's brewed locally, actually, in the city of Chicago in Logan Square. It's got a cool uh, face to it. Uh, excited to, to dive into that one, give that one a shot. Uh, just like you, I enjoy some bourbon whiskey. So that is something that I will look forward to talking to you about. I'm sure we'll have some sampling this weekend. Uh, but as we move forward now, uh, talking about the ways that our lives have changed is there anything that you see going forward? And I'm not just talking about, you know, washing your hands more often than not. Is there anything that you see, maybe it's uh, brewing beer more often. Is there anything that you see because of this coronavirus, this pandemic, this downtime that you see yourself doing long-term that you never really saw yourself doing before or something that's perked your interest, maybe like watching a TV show, uh, like with cooking foods or whatever it may be that you never really were interesting with? But having all of this time without sports uh, that you see yourself moving forward with? Well, I think the first answer to the question would be working from home because I really do think, I think, you know, it was something that I did do. So I shouldn't say that I never did it. I, I would routinely work from home one day a week, but I would not be surprised if my organization and probably many organizations start to trend to uh, employees that can working from home permanently or, you know, a, a very modified version of working from home where maybe you're in the office once a week or, or when needed for that matter, just because of, I, I think, expenses that can be saved, um, you know, have people a little bit more dependent on their own resources at the house. Um, so I, I think that could be one. But I think another would be documentaries docu-series and I laugh because I've always made fun of my girlfriend um, Lisa for for being into documentaries and she was all about the last dance she's not a huge Bulls fan or really sports fan for that matter but she was really really into it um, as I think obviously many people were but I think it's something that I'm gonna uh, give a, another shot here because I think it is interesting just to learn stories um, and kind of being able to kind of get into some a little bit more variety of things that I don't know. Like, for example, the Last Dance documentary, majority of that documentary I knew or it was a reminder of stories I had been told in the past. Watching some of these documentaries, and I'm already forgetting the one. I want to say it's Jeffrey Ep Epstein, I believe, um, who I just watched a 30-second 30, 30 little clip of, of a trailer um, obviously had a, a lot of run-ins and, and actually died in prison, um, but was a financial advisor or, or somewhere in the, in the business and just made a ton of money just from the little that I've seen very interested to hearing more. So things like that, I'm looking forward to, to hearing more about. And like we just kind of talked about the bourbon side of things, um, learning more about actually how bourbon is made, just 
to give that DeFalco another plug. That's He always talks about the barrels and the mash and all that good stuff that I'm kind of starting to kind of get the my ears kind of perk up a little bit more just because some things can compare to brewing beer, which I've started to do. Um, and then cooking. I mean, I, I have kind of adapted, um, or I should say I've always really enjoyed grilling. I think grilling food is amazing. And then that transitioned into smoking food. And now I'm finding myself cooking in the house a little bit more. I wouldn't say I love cooking. I love smoking. I love grilling, but starting to kind of get there where I'm kind of hitting all three phases of cooking, smoking, and grilling a little bit more too. At least you're making the most of your time right now. And of course, you know, cooking, smoking, grilling, all those things, those are useful things in life that maybe we wouldn't have had the time or the patience to learn about or to take the time to actually learn how to do them properly or rush. But now we have all this time without sports. Uh, but let's get into sports. Cause that is uh, what we're talking about. You were talking about documentaries uh, this, this week. I, you know, I was looking for something to watch and I came across the Lance Armstrong documentary and I thought to myself, am I actually going to watch this right now? But there's really not much on. I'm kind of Netflixed out and I was looking for something sports related. Uh, Take me back if you remember anything about Lance Armstrong and kind of what you know, because as I went through this documentary, it, it really brought to my attention. Like I didn't really know much of what he meant uh, to a lot of people, uh, especially over in Europe, what he meant to the cycling community. And then your your thought process that goes with the whole cancer thing. You know, of course, he loses uh, the one testicle. He has brain surgery. Uh, but kind of your whole thought process of Lance Armstrong, and of course, finding out that he had been cheating for so many years. What, what is your thought process on that and any interest in the documentary? Well, I think first off, the the first thing that comes to mind is obviously Live Strong. I mean, I remember those bands being one of the most popular things that I could rem- remember at that, that age. That And then obviously then so many other bands for different charities, organizations, sports teams kind of seem to follow after that. But just kind of having the, for lack of a better the really cool looking logo. I, I remember some of the sweatshirts, like the black sweatshirts with the the yellow trim with the Live Strong. Um, that's probably the first thing that comes to my mind when I think Lance Armstrong. So, um, so I know that that doesn't have to do with the person or the athlete that he was, but um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I this would be something I would be very curious to hear of too because. I have not started watching it, nor have I really looked into it much, nor do I really follow cycling for that matter. And Lance Armstrong, this was kind of going on a, a while ago and in a sport that I wouldn't say I really follow too much, but kind of gives me a little bit of that Jordan-esque here where are they going to tell the whole story of what this guy really was, the cheater and you know anything outside of what we saw on television winning you know different cycling matches or biking matches so i i think it's got that uh type of appeal for me just to kind of see hey are we gonna see them get into that dark side and is he gonna open up or is it gonna be a a little bit more scripted feeling so that's probably what i think of um when, when you pose that i immediately think of live strong but in terms of documentary excitement that probably will be on the list along with the sosa mcguire one but for the armstrong kind of seeing what kind of paint picture is truly painted and that's the one thing about documentaries that i don't think people understand the most especially with the jordan doc uh you're not getting professional journalism you're hearing a story from a person's point of view and that's why they're in it anytime lance armstrong is going to be in something anytime michael jordan's going to be in something of course it's going to be constricted in their point of view but facts are facts you know lance armstrong cheated 
He won, I think it was seven Tour de France's they haven't even really gotten into uh, him winning the second one in the part one yet. I think it's a four-part documentary. Uh, but they they just got to, at the end of uh, the first documentary, spoiler alert, he does win at least one uh, Tour de France. Uh, it's very interesting, and it seems like ESPN's moving forward with this mature content. I, I kind of like this side of ESPN because, let's face it, you put these guys in front of cameras, of course they're going to act professional. But I want to see the real side of people, and that's what I loved about The Last Dance. You saw Michael Jordan throwing F-bombs. You, thought, you saw Scottie Pippen, Horace Grant. Uh, Dennis Rodman, they were acting like they probably do, talking like how they probably do. Of course, probably dulled just a little bit uh, when they're off camera, you know, playing cards or whatever it may be. I'm sure it gets a little bit more vulgar, but that's what I want to see. I don't want to see guys acting professional. And I want to say throughout the first episode, uh, there was at least Lance Armstrong throwing at least like eight to ten F-bombs, calling people out, calling himself out, talking about how much of a liar he was. And I really liked seeing that. I know he's a lot of he's been a prick to a lot of people. He tur- he rubbed a lot of people the wrong way. Uh, but it was really interesting to see. I didn't think I would enjoy it as much as I did. Uh, but like your girlfriend, I do enjoy some documentaries. I do enjoy um, finding out of people about people, especially people who have been to the mountaintop and have been there multiple times. I think it it goes without saying it's impressive to do it once, but it's even more impressive to do it when that target on your back, it's even bigger. Did you, um, did you ride your bike after you watched it? You sound very motivated from what uh, Lance is telling you. <laughs> oh yeah. I, I was thinking about our days back in the WD and uh, travel all over with the bikes. I, I, I don't have a bike out here yet in the new, in the new house. So that's something that I definitely need to purchase here. Um, but it, it was cool to see, uh, you know, just the training that he went through the amount of drugs that were in that sport, performance enhancing drugs, that is, I, I had never even known about. It. I know he started talking about how doping was so relevant in the 98 tour, how, how relevant it was. But at the end of the day, I also thought to myself, this is where we're at, where that I'm getting entertained by the tour de France and Lance Armstrong in cycling. So last question here that I'm going to throw to you, Adam, and then you can close out our first reaction segment for us. What sport coming back that looks like it's imminent on returning right away, NBA, NHL, and hopefully the MLB, are you most excited for its return? Yes, yeah, so you know, that would be a very difficult question for me, only because if you're looking at the actual timing here and just because of the excitement I've already expressed, like I almost want to say the Blackhawks just because it's a Chicago team in the postseason. And for that matter, just because the Cubs were good in recent memory now, it's a team that I like here in Chicago that will be in the playoffs. Regardless of whatever asterisk or change of rule or format you want to apply here, they're still in the postseason. But at the same time, this is also one of the first years here the White Sox should actually be fighting for a, you know, I want to say a division title, but probably fighting for a wild card berth, possibly. So I think there's excitement on both of those fronts. As you know, I'm not a huge basketball fan and NBA fan for that matter. Um, but I do watch the NBA playoffs like you had like you had corrected that, you know, the, the first round I, I don't watch. I mean, that's something that I I really don't consider much here in the NBA just because of the way it, it works out. And even some of the second rounds, I, I will say the second round obviously gets better, but you get some landslides there too. But Eastern, Western Conference Final, NBA Final, obviously I'm watching that. So, you know, it, it's very tough, especially coming off of however many day hiatus we're on without sports where I'll pretty much take what I can get. But I'm probably going to say most excited, 
probably just for the baseball season because of the longevity of the season. You know, it might hurt not being able to go to games. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. <laughs> Heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models. Like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Over the summer, but hopefully having fun baseball, potentially on both sides of the town. I mean... I still think more in favor of the Chicago White Sox this year, but maybe both sides of town. I think I got to go with baseball. All right, AB, time to get to my first reaction. We might even have a couple similarities here this week, but kind of wanted to start off with maybe something that, and it doesn't have to just be within the coronavirus hiatus here. Um, it, It could be just last year, last few years. Has there been anything that you've kind of grown appreciation to. And just to kind of give you perspective here, like I I go to a bonfire, for example. It's something that I really didn't have any interest starting, spending the time at, but it's something that as I've gotten a little bit older, I have kind of grown to appreciate. Is there anything that you've, hasn't really been in your repertoire that has been starting to grow or has grown for you recently? I'm going to be flat out honest here with you, Adam. Um, I think growing up, I love being with my family, but I also love being with my friends. But over the past weekend, you know, it was just one of those moments where I hosted my family, my extended family, um, social distancing and all that for the first time. And I think it's one of those things as we get older, especially in a time like this, where family is really the only ones where you don't have to worry about seeing. Because guess what? At the end of the day, if you get sick from a family member, yeah, it sucks, but you're doing it out of love and you totally understand it. Um, it would suck. But I think just being around family as I've gotten older, especially during this quarantine, quarantine uh, is something that I've grown to love. And especially it probably has to do with me moving out. Um, as we get older, you know, we see each other probably less and less. And it just gives, comes with the circumstances, moving out, moving farther away, getting older, other obligations as we get older. But just taking that time and that appreciation, you look back and I say, you know what? My parents were right. You know, family quality time can never be replaced. And that's something that I I will, as I get older and during this quarantine, I've really grown to appreciate is just that family time. So that's definitely the thing that I've taken the most from this. I absolutely hear you on that. No doubt about that, AB, especially with with family. And like you mentioned, with friends, just over the years, it, it, it goes from seeing someone every day to then weeks to months 
But you know, the time that you do spend, obviously, with with those people that you care about, obviously, you wouldn't, wouldn't trade that for anything. My next question, though, want to go on a little bit of a, a change up here, and this was during some of our quality time that we had spent together. But we had a little bit of a discussion and wanted to kind of rehash it out and kind of get some additional thoughts here. And if if I stated any of this incorrectly, you know, feel free to have the floor. But one of the recent discussions that we were having was my approach of saying, and I, I do like this meat. I, I'm not saying I'm not a fan of it, but saying that I think that steak could be portrayed as one of the most overrated meals that there is, just because it always has this this man uh, approach to it, and it's the best thing, and it's this high-end meal. And I, I told you straight up that I, I think it's a little bit overrated. For example, I would take you know smoked ribs over steak in terms of what my best meal might be. I want to get your your thoughts here on the show to my statement, your reaction to that, and also in terms of the steak, maybe your favorite type of cut of a steak. Well, my first question to you would be is where have you gone for steaks? Because uh, I've had some phenomenal steaks in my lifetime. Uh, I've also had some phenomenal ribs, so I will not say that I do not enjoy ribs because I, I do enjoy ribs. I think that there's a lot more you can do with ribs than you can with steaks. Uh, the only thing that kind of sucks about ribs is they take forever to prepare. They take forever to cook. They are very sloppy. And it's one of those meals that maybe once a month, maybe once every two months, I myself would really enjoy one prepping and two eating. Uh, I just feel like ribs, it's a big process to eat. It's a big process to cook. Don't get me wrong. The end product is phenomenal. I, I love good slab of ribs. Uh, I truly enjoy, of course, your ribs and all the places that I've been to, uh, Memphis, St. Louis, uh, all over some good barbecue spots here in Chicago. Uh, but in when we come when we go to steaks, there's nothing like it. Uh, if you get a phenomenal steak from you know, think about local places here, Gibson's. Um, there's all over Dicka Steakhouse, wherever you want to go. There's places downtown. Um, some of the names are I can't think of off the top because this is first reaction. Uh, I'm sure they'll come here in a sec, but you know I just love a good cut steak. Uh, for me, love a ribeye steak. I love a porter. I love a, a New York strip. Uh, T-bone's great too. I I, I can't pick one because they're all a little bit different from another. And I think the thing that makes steaks to me stick out a little bit more is there's many things that you can do with them. I I know. When I said there's a lot of things you can do with ribs, I was talking about rubs and the dry dry rubs and all that. You can put on there the sauces. But with steaks, you can cook them differently. You can cut them up and use them in a salad. You could use them in tacos, um, burritos, obviously. You can do whatever you want with a steak. So for me, I guess my question back to you would be is where have you had steaks? What's a good quality steak that you have had? Uh, and I just feel like for me, the prep time, the cleanliness of a steak, I just, I love it. It fills me up. Whereas ribs sometimes, you know, if I'm not eating 12 ribs, I'm not, I'm not going to be full. Um, if I'm not, if I'm only eating six, I'm not going to be satisfied with six. And, you know, with ribs, sometimes you get some really crappy ones versus some really good ones. I understand you get that with steak as well, but I've never been unsatisfied when I've ordered a steak versus when I've had some really bad ribs. I think there's a, a big difference there between bad ribs and great ribs there's a huge disparity with steak you know you can get some top of the line ones but i've never really had a true bad steak because you can make up for it with the way you prep it and cook it 
Yeah, and I'm I'm not knocking. Obviously, I'm not knocking the meal of steak. Just just stating, I think it is overrated. In my favor of going with ribs. I mean, I'm I'm painting out some St. Louis style, a slab of ribs. I mean, that's a, a dinner for two nights just for myself. So I, I think it's obviously definitely filling and I wouldn't be talking about the experience it is a long time to cook the way I smoke them it's a a six hour process plus a little bit extra if you want to include prep time and whatnot so I completely get that and if we were talking about what you can reuse or if this argument was like hey if you had to eat something for a week of course you can alternate steak into tacos burritos pretty much almost anything it feels like uh the the steakhouses that come to mind though for me um where I can last recall myself having steaks at um it it was gibson's also uh there's a place in chicago but this was about two three years ago already smith and wolensky which was very good and then uh i probably butcher the name but the foco de chow place those are probably the three best places that i have been to get a cut of steak but ab this won't be a steak question but keeping it in the uh, cuisine or the food field here for you uh been trying to eat fish here that's been something i should have addressed in your question earlier what am i doing during the coronavirus been trying to eat fish at least once a week and trying to get that into the permanent diet one of the styles of fish that i've had that i enjoy it very much and and i'm almost putting it maybe as high as salmon and i understand salmon's kind of a an original or popular demand choice here is trout i've had this i put it on the grill absolutely phenomenal get a nice crispy skin to it i kept the skin right on eat the skin um, and, and it came out really well so it's definitely in that rotation of salmon uh, tilapia of course shrimp and all that other good stuff that we can throw in there but curious to get your thoughts on uh, what type of fish that you would go to and kind of where maybe fish ranks within your food needs oh i love fish and i mean if we're just talking about animals that quote unquote, live under the water. I mean, lobster's great. Crab is great. Um, if you want to even go with octopus, I, I love all that stuff. I guess it's from what I grew up with my grandparents, of course, my parents loving seafood. Uh, it was just something that we didn't have all the time, but we did. I, I learned to love it. Salmon definitely is up there. Uh, but if you want to try a couple of good fish, uh, try some cod and trout. Uh, I love cod. Uh, so much you can do with that. Some codfish tacos, uh, cod sandwich. Uh, you could have it fried. You could uh, put it on on the stove and sear it. You could put it on the grill, of course. Trout. Uh, actually, when I was in Florida a couple summers ago, I was able to catch a trout, skin it myself, and then throw it on the grill. Of course, somebody was there teaching me how to skin it and whatnot, but trout was phenomenal. And then something if you've never had. I know people say that they've had tuna all the time, uh, but it's probably just canned tuna. A little bit different from actual fresh, out of the water, or as fresh as you can get tuna. Uh, Totally different tasting from tuna that you can get like a, a jewel that's canned up or has been sitting around for a couple of weeks. Fresh tuna is phenomenal. So those are definitely the ones that I, I would tell you to try. Some trout, um, some fresh tuna, and some cod. I actually did cod yesterday. I've had cod before. Primarily, I've had cod fried. I mean, it's the it's the number one hit for a Friday fish fry, and I, I do really like it. Was not satisfied, though, with my approach. I did do it in the oven did not come out the way I was anticipating, but glad to hear your your thoughts on the trout. That will definitely be a frequent flyer, and we'll have to try the tuna because I have not gotten to that yet. But, A.B., I want to close out our first reaction on this, and there's been so much talk since within us and others since the Last Dance documentary following Michael Jordan and his legacy. Well, now as we turn the clock to the NBA possibly resuming, to the Michael Jordan, to the LeBron 
of course, discussion or argument. Things are always, it's one way or the highway, essentially. I want to know this. For LeBron this season, what is a season like this where there's such a gap in the year? What does that do to a guy like LeBron? Does, what, what side of the discussion will bring out louder if LeBron does not win a title this year or he does win a title. I mean, is one side going to be louder about he only won it because of the break and they came back and he had an advantage? Or could this be a knock on his legacy if he does return? He's had this time off coming back with the Lakers, who he hasn't obviously hasn't won with yet, play a, a, a larger role to the argument? Well, I think if he wins it, it really won't hurt uh, the discussion. Um, if it has an asterisk or whatever, I think that's kind of BS. Uh, you look at last year, Kawhi and the Raptors, nobody really remembers that the, the Warriors weren't at full strength. They just remember that the Raptors won it all. Uh, the year before when the Warriors made it to the finals and won it, let's not forget Chris Paul wasn't a part of that conference finals uh, appearance. And the, the year before, the, the Warriors, I believe, went to seven games with those same Rockets. Uh Nobody remembers that. Nobody remembers that in 99, the Spurs won the title, but it was a short season, and they went up against an eight-seed Knicks team. Everybody remembers the champion. So, sure, given this COVID pandemic, it, it's going to be different regardless, especially if you go to some wonky, funky postseason play. But if LeBron were to win this championship, I think it would add more to his legacy than his doubters. Uh, he wins this tournament when his team could have been the number one seed in the West, and probably could have had the number one overall seed just given Giannis and the Bucks' lack of postseason success uh, in Giannis's early career, I would say. Um, I think it would mean more to LeBron if he wins a title with no home court advantage and just dealing with these adverse conditions that everybody else would be, be given. I think it, you know, the Lakers were a team that was rolling and you could have an argument there that if the season kept going, and the Lakers kept their role. You could have had an argument there that LeBron could have taken that number one spot for the MVP, and his team could have taken that number one spot um, in the post in the postseason. Uh, LeBron was on a roll. His team coming off some big wins, like a win against the Bucks. Uh, it would have meant a lot to him to have that number one seat. Not even thinking about you know having to go to Milwaukee if they were to play uh, against the Bucks in the postseason. I think it means more. Uh, if he were to lose this postseason, I don't really think it hurts his legacy. But, of course, you know, the, the Jordan skeptics out there will still say, you know, well, look, Jordan still has six. Uh, I think at the end of the day, that's always going to be the argument. Whether LeBron retires with four rings, five rings, or just the three that he has right now, that's always going to be the argument. The fact that he was six for six, that argument is always going to be there no matter what happens. So I think he could only help his legacy more than he can hurt it right now. And I did see something interesting about LeBron I came across today. I think it was something like 10 MVPs he's played against when he's been to the finals or, or something like that that I thought was just absolutely ridiculous, just kind of going towards, of course, that LeBron legacy. But, A.B., my last thing, just to kind of piggyback it onto what you just said, and I, I really don't believe in asterisk marks either in sports, with maybe the exception of like a lockout season or replacement players being involved. If you had your own publishing company or you're running some type of website compiling data of basketball history and whatever team, let's just call it the Lakers, they win the, the championship this season. Five years, seven years down the line, we go back and we look it up. Would you have an asterisk mark next to it, or is it not deserving of it whatsoever? 
Absolutely not. This, this is going to be something that everybody endured regardless. I think this is something that every team has had to deal with. Uh, there's no excuse here for anybody. Everybody's experiencing the same thing um, since the Rudy Gobert game, since before. Uh, I forget who it was. Was it Alonzo Ball and the Pelicans were warming up in Sacramento? Everybody's had to deal with these adverse conditions. It's not like a team like the Raptors last year who had a full strength of team pretty much going against uh, a Warriors team without a Clay Thompson or you know a, a Kevin Durant who burst his Achilles. It's not a LeBron James-led team that had nobody else on uh, around him. His second best player being Matthew Dellavedova in 2015. Um, this is something that every team has had to endure. There should be absolutely no asterisk. It's different for everybody but everybody's experiencing the same adverse conditions. I'm with you on that. It's a level playing field for sure, but A.B., that's all the time we have. Some shout-outs to get to before we get out of here. First and foremost, to you at home. Thanks for being with us here for the May 28th edition of the Chicago Brawl podcast. Catching you on a Thursday this week, a little bit of a change-up, obviously honoring the Memorial Day holiday earlier in the week. But thanks again for being with us. If this is your first time with us, hopefully you enjoyed your time, but also find us in the world of social media. That way you can stay up to date on all the latest and greatest within the Chicago Brawl podcast. You can find us. We are at Chicago Brawl. We are on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Got to give a shout out to our executive producer back in the shop. He is Dennis Lindsay. And our guest joining us this week from MLB Network and the GM Shuffle podcast. He is Adnan Burke. Big shout out to him for being with us. But for the Chicago Brawl podcast, I am Adam. He is AB. We'll talk to you next week. But before we do, stay beautiful, sports world. And thanks for listening. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice, and a good polar vortex. <laughs> Heaven! Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details.